My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Ruben Roth, Caitlin Kotala, and Darius Garneau. On February 1st, 2021... Laurentian University in Sudbury, Ontario, announced that it was filing for creditor protection under the company's Creditor Arrangement Act. The university owes banks $91 million and has overall liabilities of $321 million, and it did this to avoid going bankrupt. This move was unprecedented. Rather than dealing with a financial crisis through negotiation with the relevant government ministry, for the first time in Canadian history, a public sector institution was invoking the CCAA, a piece of legislation designed for use in the private sector. Under this legislation, repayment of debts is temporarily suspended while a court supervises a restructuring process. In practice, this usually means extensive job losses, the sale or shutdown of some parts of the organization, and the extensive reorganization of the rest. The process can override collective agreements, and in this case, collegial governance. In describing what's happening, Laurentian University sociology and labor studies professor Ruben Roth referenced Naomi Klein's famous book, The Shock Doctrine. Klein argues that neoliberal governments often take advantage of disasters or other urgent circumstances, or even create them, as a way to rapidly impose cuts, privatization, and other austerity measures that people would otherwise not accept. Caitlin Kotala, a fourth-year undergraduate student at Laurentian specializing in political science and majoring in communication studies, argues, quote, this is really a first step in a much larger attack against universities in the province, end quote. How exactly the university's finances reach this point is a contested question. But today's guests and many of the others organizing to defend the university from the looming austerity attack are pretty clear that it's a combination of chronic provincial underfunding and poor local management decisions. Across Canada in 1982, government funding accounted for 82.7% of universities' operating revenues. That's been slashed everywhere, but particularly harshly in Ontario, where it was down to 24% in 2019. Per-student funding in Ontario in 2017-2018 was 20% lower than it had been a decade earlier, and 37% lower than the Canadian average. Ontario students pay more, and on average have larger class sizes than elsewhere in the country. And this underfunding has hit universities in northern Ontario particularly hard. This situation, according to Roth, quote, led the university to, frankly, do some stupid things, end quote, which he described as, quote, market capitalist responses, end quote. That included trying to attract more students by doing things like investing large amounts of money in new buildings and engaging in certain kinds of risky expansion experiments. It's too early to know exactly how far and deep the cuts from the CCAA restructuring process will go, but it seems likely that many jobs and programs will be lost. Florentian is a bilingual university, and it's feared that the smaller French-language programs are at greater risk, as are the university's indigenous programs and the social sciences and humanities. In light of this grave threat, the community has mobilized. 
Along with the unions and student unions based on the campus, faculty, staff, and students from Laurentian and people in the broader community have come together to form Save Our Sudbury. Garneau, a fourth-year undergraduate student in math and computer science, and Kotala are speaking today as members of this group. They've been doing everything they can to mobilize both the local community and supporters far beyond. Social media campaigns, lobbying politicians, online town halls and teach-ins, demonstrations, petitions, letter-writing, extensive media work, and all the rest. They're doing their best to show how much the university matters to the community, and to demand that the province address the chronic underfunding and the legacy of bad management decisions without sacrificing workers, students, and the quality and character of the institution. The CCAA process is due to be completed by April 30th. University President Robert Haché has made it very clear that if the university's elected Senate does not accept the outcome of the process as dictated, the university will shut down. Roth said, quote, I encourage those of you who are in both the public and private sector, unionized and otherwise, to keep a close eye on what happens here. It could spell the beginning of the end of public services for Canadians, end quote. I speak with Roth, Kotala, and Garneau about the fight to save Laurentian University. My name is Ruben Roth. I'm a faculty member at Laurentian University. I teach in the Workplace and Labor Studies program, as well as in the Sociology Department. And I've been a faculty member at Laurentian for 16 years. My name is Caitlin Kotala. I'm a fourth-year Laurentian student specializing in political science and majoring in communication studies. I'm also fairly active in the community, and I'm born and raised here in Sudbury, so this cause is very important to me. My name is Darius Garneau, and I'm a fourth-year student at Laurentian University. I'm in the Faculty of Mathematics and Computer Science. I'm doing volunteer work with the community group SOS. SOS is the community group working to save our Sudbury by protecting Laurentian to make sure that through this restructuring in this CCAA that we don't lose what's great about Laurentian University. Give listeners some context. Start by telling them a bit about Sudbury. Sudbury is about four hours, four and a half hours north of Toronto. Sudbury is named after Sudbury, England, and it's indicative of the colonial past of Sudbury. It actually sits on the Robinson-Huron Treaty of 1850. Sudbury is the largest hard rock mining center in North America. It's among the largest in the world because the Sudbury Basin contains one of the world's largest nickel reserves and the biggest nickel, copper, platinum group of elements deposits. It's a vibrant, dynamic city with diverse culture rooted in indigenous cultures and historic Francophones, Italian immigrants, Finnish immigrants, who all converged from the late 1800s to today to get industrial jobs in mining. And Sudbury has proven a home for the last 140 or so years to a good number of people, while also having this sort of fraught relationship, I guess, with the First Nations around them, coming from Whitefish Lake and Wanapate First Nation. This, of course, was all Aboriginal territory. And here we are today in 2021, an industrial center, which is a bit of a fraction of its former self. It was at its heyday in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. It also has a strong union culture and a strong activist culture. Sudbury has really become just this cultural hub, in particular when it comes to the Francophone community, as well as a very large Indigenous presence 
And that's what makes us so unique is that we really bring a variety of lenses that you won't find in other communities necessarily. Sudbury is small, but I always like to say we're small but mighty. We really just have a diversity of initiatives and cultural things going on in this community. We're like a big city in a small town. And now give a bit of background about Laurentian University. Laurentian University was founded in 1960. We're a relatively small university, the largest in Northern Ontario. There are five. We are the largest with 9,000 students, about two or 3,000, I think, part-time and about 7,000 full-time. Laurentian, I call it a working-class university, which my students don't often appreciate. They think that means second class. Laurentian, I would say, has had, since its founding 60 years ago, a bit of an inferiority complex because it serves the children of a mining community, by and large, and the children of local indigenous communities. So it bears the brunt of society's intolerance. I love Laurentian University as a, well, as a workspace, not so much as an employee of the university. Their administration has long been anti-worker, anti-union. But as I describe it as a working class university, I say that knowing that I have a lot in common, being a working class university professor with that class background myself, and my students are wonderful. They have sharp experiences of oppression and class degradation and racial injustice and injustice along the lines of, you know, ability and gender and sexuality. And we bring this into the classroom. And I like to think of Laurentian, or at least my corner of it, as a progressive, vibrant, dynamic, colorful, wonderful place where students get to know their profs. We've had lots of, they call themselves refugees from larger universities like U of T or York or Queens, where students sit in a classroom with hundreds, sometimes thousands of others. I get to know my students on an individual basis. Just the fact that we're able to have that close communication with our professors is one of the things that makes Laurentian so special. I mean, a little different now during COVID, but you could just go down the hall, you know, to the office of your professor and ask for help. And if they're in there and they're willing, they will sit down and help you. That's not a luxury that you would get at a university like U of T or University of Ottawa. I mean, Laurentian is a great university. It's got, as any institution, it's ups and downs, but there are some really special things at Laurentian University. When it comes to bureaucracy, obviously, you know, there are moments that can be a little daunting for students, but in the grand scheme of things, Laurentian is a great university. When it comes to academics, I have met some of the greatest profs in Ontario. They really know their stuff. Laurentian really is a home for so many people. In particular, I think of Northern students, students coming from Indigenous communities, and also to students from Southern Ontario who require that smaller class size. And I'm somebody who entered university never thinking that I would be able to pursue any academics post-undergrad. And it's because of the fantastic professors that I've worked with over the years that helped to really foster this level of confidence in me that now I know that I can move on and continue to pursue academics post my undergraduate degree. I was born and raised in Sudbury, Ontario, and I was always told Laurentian is somewhere you go if you can't get out of Sudbury. And it's a very sad sentiment. But then when I went to Laurentian, I realized that it's actually very different. Laurentian is a very unique place where you have a lot of opportunity to have really hands-on learning and experiences that you wouldn't gain at other institutions. And on top of that, it's also mine and countless other Northern students' only affordable option. 
It allows students to get a post-secondary degree in an affordable way with smaller class sizes and with professors and faculty and staff who genuinely care about your well-being. Lay out your understanding of the crisis that's unfolding now at Laurentian University. The structure of the university is what's called bicameral. So it's a dual structure with the Senate of the university overseeing all academics, overseeing new programs, the development of new courses, the approval of new courses, and so on. And the operation of the university, including its finances, are in a completely separate box. That box is the purview of Laurentian's Board of Governors. And Laurentian faculty are represented by a union. LUFA, Laurentian University Faculty Association. And the Faculty Association has, for years, asked the university for financial data, which has been refused. We were all surprised, and by all, I mean everybody from deans on down, were surprised on February 1st at an announcement made by the Laurentian University President, Robert Haché, that the university is filing for insolvency under something called the Companies Creditors Arrangement Act. I will start calling it CCAA. The university said that it owes three Canadian banks an accumulated total of $91 million. Laurentian, we're told, has a total of $321 million in liabilities. The Ontario government did appoint an investigator to advise the Minister of Colleges and Universities, Ross Romano. The province warned that it might introduce legislation granting it greater oversight of every Ontario university's finances. So this process is being watched carefully by a lot of parties. Let me point out that this is the first time in the history of Canada that the CCAA has been applied to a publicly funded public organization like a university. It typically is private sector organizations who find themselves dissolved, restructured, and experience large-scale layoffs as a result of the CCAA. This is clearly the point of this piece of federal legislation. It's designed to break up collective agreements, union contracts. It's designed to break companies up and retain the productive portions of a corporation and eliminate and sell off or just kill off the unproductive portions of a enterprise or a corporation. How that applies to a university is a mystery to all of us, but this judge has deemed it completely legal and within his mandate and the mandate of the CCAA. If I were a public sector worker at a municipality, at a public health unit, at a hospital, at a school board, I would start looking around and getting rather nervous because the Conservative government of Ontario is allowing this legislation and this process to move forward unproblematically in an uncomplicated way. And the fact that this can be used in a public sector setting makes a lot of people nervous it should. Essentially, it boils down to the Board of Governors and historic lack of funding from the government. For students, when we heard that news, it really was completely off guard. I remember reading the articles that came out kind of the first day that highlighted the financial problems. And then every day, the more that came out, the more trouble we were in. Just a lot of fear coming after all of those announcements. As somebody who has engaged in a little bit of the governance systems at Laurentian, this came as a complete surprise to me. I remember sitting at Senate, I believe it was last year, and the president at the time was saying, you know what, we're in a little bit of debt, but we'll be able to balance our books within the next two or three years. So for this to just be sprung out of the blue like that, 
that shows a complete lack of transparency. And just to add on to that as well, from a student perspective, students really feel like they're in the dark right now. I've had a lot of students who had no idea what was going on because there was a lack of transparency and a lack of proper communication going out to the students and to the Laurentian community. So would you agree then with the analysis that seems to be emerging that this was due to some combination of chronic provincial underfunding and bad decisions by the university administration? I would say that sums it up pretty well. Chronic underfunding has been across all Ontario universities. David Leadbeater, an economist at Laurentian, has done the calculations and he's determined that Ontario funding of universities is at the bottom of the entire country. Our province funds universities less than any other province or territory in Canada. This is not a new situation. This is a 10 or 20 year old story. It's so bad that just in order to get from the bottom to the average, the provincial government would need to bump up their funding to Ontario universities by 35%. And this is what led the university to, frankly, do some stupid things in terms of realizing that they needed to attract students, they needed more funding, and their responses were sort of market capitalist responses as though we were a private sector organization. They said, let's build buildings. That'll attract more students. Let's build new facilities. This will attract more students. Let's expand and bring in more graduate students, despite the fact that graduate student funding isn't subsidized by the province at all. How have students, staff, faculty, community taken action in response to the shocking announcement on February 1st? From the moment that we had heard about this, the community as a whole in Laurentian and outside of Laurentian all saw the need that we have to do something. Laurentian is one of the largest employers in our city. So the need was very, very clear that this is a very big part of our city and the economy in our city as well as just education, protecting education and public institutions. So when it came to work being done on campus, Lufa did a lot of work to get people involved to highlight what the problems are. They helped to make the community more aware about what this meant for everybody. They created petitions. And then when it came to the community, we were able to do a lot of work with Okufa. Uh, that's the Ontario Confederation of University Faculty Associations. That did involve a lot of students coming together in order to organize community efforts. We were able to highlight to the city that this is very important. Get the municipal government on board to be talking to the province. We were able to get our local MPP to host a town hall in which we had a large number of people attend. In general, that is the action that we've been taking in order to tell people that this is a problem, in order to make sure that the government can see that this is an institution worth protecting and that there are people's livelihoods on the line right now. Whether you're a student who can't afford to go anywhere else, a student in the middle of their degree, or a student who wants to attend university and has to do it at Laurentian and that's their only option or the faculty members who have built their lives around Sudbury and they have families here. The community response so far has been absolutely incredible. I think this is an issue that anyone who has ever been touched by Laurentian or Sudbury can see is an issue that's going to affect all of us. And that's why there are so many people who are passionate about it and wanting to come to the aid of this issue. 
Darius mentioned the town hall that was hosted, and we saw over 500 people show up digitally to stand in solidarity with the Laurentian community and to show that this is important and that the government needs to fund Laurentian. And I think that shows the true strength of this community. People are going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we save Laurentian and we save our community. Save Our Sudbury is a community-based organization made up of students, alumni, small business people, parents, and some faculty, as well as citizens of Sudbury. It's a broad organization that has really touched a nerve in the community. You're also speaking to us the day after Laurentian President Robert Ache. He lost his temper at a Senate meeting where he was asked, would Senate have enough time to receive a report prior to the drop-dead deadline of April 30th, where the CCAA process is supposed to end and Laurentian's plans for the future are supposed to be carved in stone? Would the Senate, he was asked, have enough time so that they would be able to deliberate and send back a counterproposal. And this is indicative of the effectiveness, I think, of Save Our Sudbury, who have pushed back. And I think the Laurentian president's frustration came through when he said, and this is a headline from the Sudbury.com, LU president tells Senate, quote, university will cease to function as of April 30th if the restructuring plans are nixed. It's a strange way to pretend we have democracy or any notion of it, and it's a strange notion of moving together. He has, as of two days ago, told the community of Sudbury and the community of Laurentian University, its students, its staff, its faculty, that it's my way or the highway. There is no back and forth. There is no deliberation. There is no negotiation. You accept what the administration has clearly decided to do, which is a very much smaller university whose emphasis is on vocational training. You accept that or you lose your university entirely. I mean, he really came down with a hammer. And I think that answers your question in terms of the effectiveness of the organizations that Caitlin and Darius have been talking about. Student pushback, Francophone pushback, Indigenous pushback, faculty pushback, community pushback has led the president of Laurentian University to lose his sh- and to bring the hammer down on the Senate, a democratic body, which has just been told, if you don't accept what I tell you, you're gone. The university is gone. What can we expect to see in terms of action between now and the April 30th deadline? And what can people elsewhere do to act in support? I just want to emphasize the fact that people are going to continue to take action right until the very end. There are still actions being planned to continue these efforts. The best way for people who want to take action, whether they be from Sudbury and the Laurentian community or someone from across the province, the best way to do so and to stay in the know of what's going on is probably to check out our website. So northernsolidarity.ca. On there, you can find all of the actions that are being organized by Save Our Sudbury, as well as other institutions across Northern Ontario. And then also, too, if you want to find out more about the actions that we are taking, follow us on social media. So that's on Twitter and Facebook. It's Save Our Sudbury. Thinking about what we have planned moving forward, I know we're planning on doing a sign blitz. We're in the midst of organizing a car rally. We're thinking about demonstrations when it comes to the administration, lobbying the provincial government still. We also still have a email and letter writing campaign to Ross Romano, the Minister of Colleges and Universities, as well as to Doug Ford and the rest of the provincial government. And then continue to use your voice on social media. 
if you're listening to this and you're from Sudbury or from the North or from the Laurentian community and you have a story to share, make it known. Use the hashtag FundLU, use the hashtag Northern Solidarity, and just show that this institution is so important to the broader community as a whole. That is what you got to do. We really could use the help. So definitely get involved, check out the website and follow us on social media and do what you can to help us protect Northern institutions. We're living Naomi Klein's Shock Doctrine, which is a book she published in 2007. We're in the middle of a pandemic, a once-in-a-century event, and our university has decided that this is the moment to go through 90-day restructuring process overseen by a federal judge in a federal court. We have a collective agreement that actually has been negotiated over decades. In that collective agreement, there are clauses that address exactly this situation. And those clauses lay out a very carefully undertaken surgical approach to reallocating faculty and, yes, if necessary, laying off faculty should the university be able to prove that it's broke. In this case, there's no doubt that Laurentian University is genuinely broke. And the university has utterly and completely ignored that process. The court has ignored the faculty association's request to adhere to a process that is in writing. And instead, we're going through a rushed process that began on February 1st, that ends on April 30th. And we are being told by the administration of Laurentian that this will be an improved university. It'll be better than what we have now. I don't think anybody really believes this. I don't even think Robert Ache, the president of Laurentian, believes this. If you're a public sector worker, if you're a participant in the public sector, which is to say that you receive provincial government services in Ontario, or you're a student, or you have to visit a hospital, or you're getting your vaccination from a public health unit in your area, I would be careful. I would be watching what happens here. It isn't just the future of Laurentian that's being weighed in the balance. It's the future of public services in Ontario if they can be treated in the same way that private enterprises can be broken up and declared insolvent and have their non-profitable portion sold off. Then if I were a municipal worker or received municipal services, I'd be nervous. If I were a hospital patient, I'd be nervous. If I were a resident of any province in Canada, I'd be nervous. We're going to see more of this down the road. To watch a private sector piece of law hammer on the heads of the public services that all Canadians value is frightening. It should be frightening. And I encourage anybody listening to this to do as Darius and Caitlin suggested. By the way, if you're a union member, we'd love to see letters of support. Send them to the Laurentian University Faculty Association via Twitter or Facebook or email. And I encourage those of you who are in both the public and private sector, unionized and otherwise, to keep a close eye on what happens here. It could spell the beginning of the end of public services for Canadians. You have been listening to my interview with Ruben Roth, Caitlin Kotala, and Darius Garneau. To learn more about the campaign to save Laurentian University, search for Save Our Sudbury on Facebook, or go to northernsolidarity.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.